Three, two, one. Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Thank you for taking the time. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hey, good afternoon, Fred. Good afternoon, and with us once again is consultant and publisher of The Dispatcher, Michael Senna, who's not in Sweden this time. Hi, Michael. Hi, I'm in Scranton. <laughs> um, so I'm wonderful. I'm really enjoying being with you from West Scranton, home of the invaders. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, uh, is it snowing there? Uh, it's about it's it's about thirty degrees Celsius. It's over 80, 80 degrees. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Well, let's turn to the latest edition of the Dispatcher, Michael. On top, you tackle the issue of vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle communication. I guess we should say issues. There, there are a bunch of them. Well, I've, I have, I have written about vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle communications quite often in the past, and it's always been the same message: the uh, the European Commission is determined to get Wi-Fi DSRC-based systems in place for a number of reasons which they feel are good reasons and um, the focus of this is the, of this article is not against DSRC it's not to try to convince the the European Commission or or NHTSA uh, NHTSA is, is they've dumped the whole idea of DSRC primarily because the Federal Communications Commission uh, kind of forced their hand after 20 years no one was using it and decided that they needed it needed the spectrum for Wi-Fi uh, but at the same time they they determined the FCC decided just determined that it was the remainder of the spectrum was going to be used for uh, cellular V2x and not Wi-Fi so the U.S. seems to have, to have kind of come out of that whole you know stone age thinking the uh, European Commission hasn't but the focus of this article is on separating vehicle to everything other than vehicle to vehicle. And the reason for that is that vehicle to vehicle can be done quite easily without major issues. The primary problems with vehicle communication is when you start to involve the, the public sector with roadside units and infrastructure for vehicle to infrastructure communication. And that's where it gets difficult, both for the, the car companies to implement a system that has to be integrated with the, the infrastructure. Um, and and it, the, the, the idea, the whole concept of this came to me during a, a discussion during the, the ITU Future Network Car with symposium where the the head of the Department of Transportation in in um, Washington talked about the problems of communication or, or having the government involved in communications with vehicles, particularly from the the liability standpoint. You know, having having to be in a position of of delivering data to vehicles, and potentially, and this this is where it got sticky, potentially to vehicles without human drivers, where the, where the data would have to be interpreted by, by a system and then implemented and used by a system. 
And his point was, if we get ourselves into that situation, there's no telling what could happen in terms of, of liability. So that kind of struck me. On the one hand, you had people saying, and we really would like to have vehicle to vehicle communication uh, and we're not getting it. And on the other hand, someone saying, well, we really we really shouldn't be in this as governments we really shouldn't be in the vehicle, the communication with vehicle with data. And so that that's the main point of the article. Your thoughts it? on what to, if you were designing a system, what do you feel would, would work here and what might be needed? Well, vehicle to vehicle communication is, is quite, quite simple and it can be done very easily with cellular V2X. It's cellular V2X, the latest versions of cellular V2X uh, LTE uh, and coming into 5G, but you don't need 5G for this. Um, have a free point to point broadcast alternative. So it's, you don't have to have a subscription. You don't have, even if it's cellular, you don't have to have a subscription. You're not paying for the communication. It's built into the network. It's very, it's not similar in terms of, of technology as, as um, 911 or, or, or 112, where that is free to the, to the person who's making that call. If you dial 112 or 911, you're not paying for that call, but it's the same concept. It's, it's a free to air uh, alternative but within the cellular network. So that could be implemented very easily with the systems that are on board the, the, the uh, cars today without having to have the kind of cybersecurity in infrastructure in place when you, now you, when you would have a communication to and from a vehicle where you would have uh, acknowledgements to and from the vehicle with cellular, with a V2V, whether it's Wi-Fi or cellular V2X, it's it's essentially a broadcast. It's going out into the into the you know, to the ether, and it's picked up by anyone with it within a certain certain area. Uh, and with that, we could do warnings that are that are the kind of of warnings that could really prevent prevent uh, accidents. Whereas with the kind of things that you can do with a, with infrastructure are mainly informational i mean they're not the warning things the warnings are vehicle to other to other vehicles they're not you're not sending warnings although it might be an ice warning but that kind of ice warning could easily could just as easily be coming from a, another vehicle as opposed to having to go through a network and process and then send out and I, what i said also is that the kind of messages that you would be sending like risk you know risk avoidance those are the those are the ones that are problematical those are the ones that the you know you're going to you might get in trouble if you let's say your system. You say, "Well, I mean, I'm going. Will, will they? Will cars depend on those kinds of that kind of information? Most probably not. Most cars today that are operating in a in a driverless or self-driving mode, they're operating based on the information that they've got on board and the information that they're getting from the sensors. You know, there's no dependence on getting information from outside because both of latency and also. Uh, potentially incorrectness. Well, um, um, you know, I jump into this and I guess I have no patience for any of it. Um, um, you know, I get I get spammed enough on my phone with stuff that I don't want to see and I just don't want the messages. There is, has been since it's almost day one, vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle communications in vehicles. 
That's what the tail light's all about. Okay. Uh, it goes at the speed of light. It actually turns on before the brakes are applied, I think, in the whole system, before the calipers hit. The light goes on. No latency. And the people who really should be seeing it get it. Okay? If they're watching, yes. Well, if they're watching, but they're supposed to be watching and if they're not then they should have an imaging system that watches for them and it will get it faster than the da 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 i agree and and you know to me this is all its gizmo people trying to sell stuff that is like whatever plus only those that have will have whereas the brake light boom everybody sees it the backup light, boom. The horn, the turn signal, okay? And damn it, when I've gone and talked to the NHTSA type folks and said, oh my goodness, you know, I think it would be nice is if I turned on my cruise control, that a little light would go on in my car, whatever signal, so that the people around me would know what mode I'm driving in. Holy macro, the information content of that, that's, that's gigabytes. Because now if I, and if it's a certain color, if it's stupid cruise control and another color that it's intelligent cruise control, then anybody seeing it will know how my car is going to behave. You know, that's what the turn signal is going to do. Anticipation of behavior. Okay. And now you want to go out and set up some sort of communication protocol that now whatever that ends with to do. And then who knows what is going to go in there and da 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 da. Oh my goodness. I mean, you're driving me nuts here. Okay. I'm with you almost and, at, at a level of, of agreeing, but not quite. Okay. <laughs> I, agree with, I agree with everything you said about the about the the, the analog communications and, and your idea of of having a light because now I now I really use the the uh, the assisted automated cruise control because I, I use it all the time when I'm on a highway. Yeah. Uh, now and with with the old version, it, it didn't automatically slow down when the car when I was which is unfortunate. Yeah. Which, yeah. Yeah. But now we have a newer. We have a new yeah, rep yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where it does work and it's terrific. The it's terrific. Have, the problem I have is that I've got people who are, you know, left lane cruisers and I've got people behind me, way behind me that go into the left lane because they're also on the cruise control. Right. And yeah. they don't want to slow down for me. So they get over into the left lane. And and I'm in Jersey, they get over to the right lane. I mean, you know, it, yeah, it, if they yeah. if you do that in Germany, they run you off the road, which you should be run off the road. But yes, go ahead. I, I mean, I think all the analog, and I think your idea of the light is good. There are a few occasions where I believe that vehicle to vehicle communications, and I'm you know I, I could show you one on my telephone where my good friend who I should have had lunch with on Monday, yesterday, yeah didn't make the trip from Utah because someone who wasn't watching went through a stop sign and he was looking to the right instead of to the left and she hit him. And so his car was demolished 
Yeah. Uh, he luckily he wasn't demolished. It hit him hit him front to front, no nose to nose, but from the from the left hand side. If there had been, if there had been a message from that car to his car, that that would have been prevented. And that's the kind of accident that this kind of thing. No, you say no. I say yes. I, I, I say there. If if we had automated emergency braking systems that worked, then that car wouldn't have hit it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. let's do that. Okay. okay? Let's yeah. do that. Let's let's put systems in there that you can't turn off that actually do work. We, okay. We, that we, car we, should not have gone through there. We, we can do that. That. That separates it. We're not doing the community. That that puts the risk. Go ahead. New cars, new cars. I want. I want to get. We can do this. We can do vehicle to vehicle communications with cars that are on the market on the roads now. We can do that. It's and it's not a big deal to do that. What sure, you it's going. It, but not. But but the system's not going to be. Uh, you know, have any kind of penetration until until I'm dead and gone. Until. until guess what? We, I don't care. We could. We could have penetration the same way we have we have seatbelt laws the same way we've we've implemented the seatbelt. It took laws. a long time with the seatbelt. Yeah, it did. But with a tele, with a with a vehicle to vehicle communication, we could have a system, and we could mandate a system and have those in place. But now, the, look, but the problem with the but with the, with that communication is then you don't know what some some guy or gal who's looking for fifteen seconds of fame is going to do to go to go garbage it up. My car should have an automated emergency braking system that works. They were supposed to put that in there to stop five mile an hour collisions. How long ago? Why haven't they? Yeah, I, I agree with you, Alan. But, but I, if, you've a, if you've got a 2006 Corolla Verso, you're not going to have an automated braking system in that car. If you've got a 2014, whatever it was, you're not going to have an automated braking system. In if there. I buy a 2023 S-Class Mercedes, it doesn't. Yeah, but that's like 1% of 1% of all the people who can afford that. So let, let's talk real What's reality. so tough about that? It, that is crap. It is not expensive to put that in there, really. So why don't, why don't all the cars I have, have no idea why they have it. Okay. I don't have it in my, the latest the latest and the greatest. I mean, it, it's, yeah. you know, apparently the automated emergency brake backup braking systems do work. Why? Because there you're going five miles an hour. The other ones, they're afraid of the false alarms that the darn thing's going to go in there and the, the, do, and then it stops in the middle of the road when it doesn't, when you haven't run through it because they're, they're not, I agree. Right. I don't know. Okay. We're we're on a we're on a I'm not going to pass the budget the budget busting bill because you did this sort of thing. I'm talking about doing something, but I'm not saying don't do better breaking. Don't do that. All I'm saying is if if what I have said is don't hold up vehicle to vehicle communication. If you think if you've got all the proof that vehicle to vehicle communication saves lives and this is what the this is what folks are saying. They're not saying that vehicle to X infrastructure save lives. They're saying these are a couple of the applications that we can save lives and we can reduce the number of accidents and potential deaths. I'm not saying don't do everything else, 
All I'm saying is don't hold up the vehicle to vehicle communication because it isn't vehicle to infrastructure communication. Let that, if, you, if that's going to work, if you're going to get that in some time, sometime, but we can do vehicle to vehicle communication today using a cellular network with systems that almost every vehicle being sold today has cellular infrastructure already built into them. We can use that same cellular information structure to send simple messages to the car saying, I'm coming, I'm coming too fast. I'm going, going to go through this stoplight. And if you're anywhere in the vicinity, stop yourself. That's all I'm saying. Very simple. But, but, but as I you point out, to do it, but yeah. as you pointed out in your article, of course, if the government gets in the middle of it, then they assume part of the liability. And if they assume part of the liability, they're going to get dragged in. They're going to have to give themselves indemnification from that, and all that stuff is it's all it's all going to be ugly. What about now the false alarm that comes in and says, "Oh my goodness, you know, oh, it did, you know, it's it's not going to work with probability." one or you know without false alarm so you've got to deal with that and it just i don't know and i guess i and the 81 percent that you have in there with respect to the accidents that means that all the other stuff doesn't work and 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 in fact you know i think it's still discussed plus i'd like to argue vita x is really good for some things you know if if the slip control on my vehicle, if the vehicle slips, and it should be smart enough to determine whether or not this is because of ice or hydroplaning, then a message should go out with a GPS location. And whether or not then Enrics picks it up and 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 then Copilot decides to absorb that, and then Copilot in its turn-by-turn -turn navigation system decides to have the folks who happen to be approaching that then put up a message in the vehicle. I think that's the way that's to be used, and, and I, it should be used. Right, right now, the Enrics stuff is used in Copilot, and. Personally, I am enormously biased, as everybody knows. Darn it, that damn thing is good. Yeah, and I, you know, the expected delays for the next sixty miles ahead is damn good, even though I, it's anticipating a future. That's I, all. That's all Vita X stuff that's yeah, but going. But it's already on. that's already in place. I know. What I'm, what I'm arguing against, and I will continue to argue argue against is putting an infrastructure in place that's operated by paid, uh, we're paying for it because it's public money, operated by governmental organizations instead of being operated by the organizations that are already in place that are doing this. I agree with you one million percent. Okay. Putting in roadside units to be able to collect data from the vehicles and to be able to send data to the vehicles when we have a cellular network which is already being used by car companies, Audi, Volvo, BMW, Mercedes, particularly in Europe, are using this infrastructure to send exactly those kinds of messages to the vehicles. Michael, you keep saying that the ITS America is gonna, is gonna uh, censure you. I mean, you know, this is all a bunch of people who wanna sell gizmos to government. It's been that way since the creation of, since we went, since ITS America was formed, you know, they, that was, that was the, that was the big payday. My goodness, get a government, get a, you know, a, a, a Beltway bandit. Uh, 
entitlement act or something yeah. like that. I mean, it's you're absolutely correct. It is so silly, and it's amazing it's still being promoted. Well, I'm I, I'm certainly not against intelligent transport systems in general or specifically certain kinds of things, but I am opposed to using a public organized, public paid for infrastructure when we already have a privately supported one that works internationally, it works globally. The companies that, I, that you mentioned, I'm not gonna give them any advertisements, you mentioned them. Those companies are operating internationally and they're providing very good services for all of the companies involved and they can continue to do that. But we don't need to be, to be supporting publicly funded infrastructure, this, this sort of national, national information nodes that are collecting data and then providing that data around. We have public private companies that are doing this in a very good way already, and we should be supporting them. That's my- I, that's my I agree with you. And, and another product placement here, maybe I should have a little OnStar logo here, <laughs> uh, whatever, but- Yeah. Did we get funding from OnStar, Fred? Oh. Jeez, we didn't. That's okay. Maybe it's anticipated. Well, on call. Yeah. Anyway, we'll, um, we'll turn to another issue from the <laughs> from the latest dispatcher, Michael. You yeah. you say that more can be done to prevent the theft of catalytic converters, which are being taken because of the precious metals. Yeah, I said there's there's rhodium and and them there hills. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I. I shake my head whenever whenever I think about how much how much money we have we put into cars, I mean precious metals, rare earth metals going into all of these these devices. Why did we ever develop catalytic converters that were based on rare earth materials? I mean, at some point in time somebody had to figure it out. It's like you know, we have we have copper being stolen off the stolen off the, the, the roofs of, of churches and the and the you know down pipes of drainage pipes because it's you know it's it they get a lot of money for stealing this stuff. And people suddenly their cars are, are made inoperable because thieves go in there with pretty simple devices and are able within minutes to take off the catalytic converter and then sell the the materials in there for you know a couple of hundred to a thousand dollars. Why do we do that? Why do we why do we put those in, that those things in vehicles? We could prevent cars from being stolen. You know, I had I had my car parked in the my my Saab my nineteen eighty three Saab parked at Logan Airport, and I had packed my first time I would I'd done this and last put the keys in my my um, my trench coat and put the trench coat in the in the in the bag and the bag didn't come. The bag was lost somewhere. And so I didn't have my keys to get in the car. They came, they were in the car within seconds. And, uh, and, and okay, they had, they had, they couldn't start. It was, it was that thing they jam in, in the window, yeah, man. Exactly. I, I used to, I, I think I used to be able to operate one of those suckers. Yeah. <laughs> why do we allow cars to be stolen? Why do we, why do we have this, you know, the devices that we put in cars that thieves want to have and, and make them so expensive. In particular, this one, this one really got to me, you know, having a, these ex really, really expensive materials in a device that's supposed to be, it's intended to prevent emissions. I mean, it's, it was a great idea, but did they have to use those materials? 
And I, I say no. I mean, the, we, we shouldn't be putting expensive things that people can steal. And it, 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 it's the whole thing just goes around because the, the materials are stolen and they go into to a group of people who, who you know, process them. And eventually they're sold back to the car companies and at lower prices because they're not out of the mines. And then they get put in these devices. And so the devices get less expensive. But it, it's, you know, it's a, it's a classic commercial circular economy. But at the end, the insurance companies are paying the, the owners of the car. The car owners are, are, are uh, inconvenienced because the, you know, the car has to be fixed. And there's no reason for it, I don't think. So stop doing it. Michael, it gets worse than that. I mean, look, now we don't put a key into a key thing to turn it. Yeah. We now have, we, we can now remotely start our car. Our, our keys have admit something because there's a battery in there and it admits a signal so that the car knows that the key is in there. So if you're Elaine Kornhauser and you leave your car on your front driveway and you leave your keys in the car because every time you walk out of the house, you forget to grab them. So therefore it's easy. You don't have to go back in the house. Then all they do is drive down Cleveland Lane and they have a device that listens to the key. And if it says, hey, I can hear the key, guess what? The key is in that Mercedes. And all of a sudden, <laughs> you come back from running in the morning and did Elizabeth take the car? Where's the car? Oh, <laughs> it's in New Orleans. <laughs> and first, when they steal them, what's the first thing they do? They disable the 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 GPS system and they're and and because they know how to disable it. So even if you have, hey, find my car. <laughs> However. <laughs> they end up using the easy pass tag. <laughs> Why? So they don't have to pay the toll. Guess what? That's the way you figure out where in the heck your car's been by the time you end up looking for your easy pass tag. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Okay. So all of these things that, that are <laughs> help thieves somehow, I don't know, maybe maybe they think they sell more cars if they, if they, don't, they don't prevent the cars from being stolen easily they do yeah i yeah, i went i i'm a few years ago this is a true story went down to the local mercedes dealer here got a chance to talk to the owner you know to discuss you know what was coming in the in the coming mercedes and where i'm talking about you know cars that don't crash and he's telling me about the about all the safety mechanisms in Mercedes that save this woman's life in in a Mercedes. The car got totaled, and she came back and bought another one. Yeah. Okay. But if the car had automated emergency braking system that worked, it wouldn't have crashed. He would have sold one, not two. So yeah. when you're talking to to, the, to him about automated emergency braking systems that work, he uh, everybody of course there, there's going to be a friendly shaking of the head, but you know the eyes are rolled back. Come yeah. on, 
It's like illegal immigration into the United States. Oh, yeah, we might as well go there. We've been, I mean, let's see, we, ITS America, Mercedes, whatever. We're, uh, oh man, oh, we're, we're on a roll today. Well, there, there is another solution to the catalytic converter uh, problem, uh, electric vehicles, Michael. You have a piece oh, on, you have a, you have a, you, you have a piece on Ford and the problem it has run into in trying to make a profit from battery electric vehicles. I think the problem is is more significant than trying to make a profit. It's trying to stay in business while it's make, trying to make electric vehicles. Because if it continues to make electric vehicles, it tries to continue to make electric vehicles at the pace that it that it needs to to you know, meet everybody's requirements. It's not going to have any profits to be able to invest in because it's it's electric car business is eating up all the profits that it's making from its ice vehicles. So it's, you know, the old story, if you're, if you're in a, if you're in a hole, stop digging. And that's, you know, <laughs> either there was just something today. I saw it in the in autom uh, automotive news where the, the person who's in, in charge of their ice department says there's a, there's an awful lot of runway left for ice vehicles. And he's right. You know, there's there's plenty of people who don't want to be anywhere close to uh, electric vehicles. I just had breakfast with two of them, two of my old high school classmates. And, uh, you know, particularly here in the United States, not so much in places like Sweden. There is like maybe 50-50. But there's a, there's a large group of people who just say, you know, we don't want to have anything to do with electric vehicles for, for a number of reasons. And I think a number of good reasons. So, I mean, yeah, we, you don't have a catalytic converter in um, in um, in electric cars, but you've got an awful lot of other precious metals that you know they'll they'll figure out ways of stealing those as well. A cynic well, the, the, might the a cynic might say that uh, that maybe Elon Musk has uh, has a good reason for helping Ford to build more electric vehicles. Oh yeah, yeah. The more electric vehicles they make. They try to build the more the more money they lose. Yeah, <laughs> that and and of course the other announcement earlier in the week that that Ford looks like is is adopting the uh, the Tesla uh, plug for uh, the charging standard for being right? able to use then the the t Tesla charging network and um, uh, again uh, I. I, I I guess it's it's nice that Tesla is making that available to Ford, and who knows what the the, the financial arrangement of that wasn't mentioned and whatever. But but um, um, yeah, um, one wonders if um, if Ford can survive it because you know if you're if you're already. Um, if your expense to making a vehicle is already greater than your competition and you have to reach scale and the competition has then the opportunity to reduce prices because apparently they're reporting a profit. Uh, ooh, uh, you know, um, that's how monopolies get created. <laughs> ooh. Ouch. I I didn't go I didn't go very deeply in into the 
to the economics. I'll leave that to to someone else. All I've done here is try to point out the the amount of money that they're losing and and the projection on the money that they're losing at the same time is that they're losing as well as GM losing market share in China because the Chinese are promoting their own cars and not not like they were in the past promoting the Fords and particularly Buicks. So these companies are, have focused a lot on, on building up their their profitability by selling cars in China and suddenly China's closing, you know, turning off yeah. the spigot. Yeah. And uh, they've, they've opened up for, instead of focusing on the on the home market and, and making that a solid base for, for their for their cars they've sort of watered themselves down by going to china and, and depending on china because oh well it's a big market and we you know we can sell 50% of our cars there and make money on them but without really understanding what the potential danger is from a geopolitical standpoint you know they could have turned off the spigot a long time before and they can do it very easily now and they did they did with Toyota when when there was a spat with Toyota. I can't remember exactly what the what the problem was. It had something to do with China saying that they own some islands that that belong to Japan, and Japan said, "No, you don't." And suddenly, everybody stopped buying Toyotas in China, and that went on for quite a while. And they lost a lot of of uh, sales as a result of that. And you know, the Chinese Communist Party says, "Don't buy those cars." and you know, people people listen. So, you have, yeah, we, uh, we should have probably invited um, uh, Fred Dreyer to come on this one, and he'd tell us how the opportunity to make an internal combustion engine that is essentially non-polluting or very close to to uh, zero carbon emission emissions, and and if you take the whole vehicle together and you look at the sourcing of the of the uh, of the fuel as well as none of the sourcing of the batteries and all that stuff that um, you know there could be there could still be a runway for ice vehicles that really? are very efficient and and, and we'll just, we shouldn't be we should never have been doing what we've been doing forcing people to, to close down their their ice operations handing the market as i said in the last issue julie has now taken over all of Volvo's ice. That was a real schnicker job. And then has done the same thing with, with Renault going into a joint venture with them. They're controlling the market on ice vehicles so that they'll be produced when, you know, when people realize that they shouldn't have been buying all of these electric vehicles because they can't, they can't operate them because we can't make enough electricity. By the way, I had on my way from my, my cousin, in southern Pennsylvania to Scranton, I stopped at another cousin who lives close to Reading, Pennsylvania. And his son was there. Son is about 38 years old. And he works for Pennsylvania's largest electric electricity producer. Now, as I think we've talked about before, Pennsylvania is the coal, you know, the, the coal country. Bituminous over in the in the Pittsburgh area, where Alan is from, and anthracite in the northeastern, eastern and northeastern area of Pennsylvania, where I'm from. And bituminous was used in the in the locomotives, 
and for heating because it's clean, sorry, anthracite, and bituminous has been used in coal, making coal where they can control it, control it better. And everybody had coal, coal stoves. Every, everything was run with coal, whether it was cooking or heating or whatever, making electricity. Pennsylvania is one of the first states to move very quickly into nuclear. So it's one of the largest nuclear states. Um, he said, my, my, my cousin's son said, um, yeah, we know that we're not gonna be able to produce enough electricity for all, if everybody had electric cars, we know that, but we're not, we can't promote, we can't go against that. You know, we want to, we want to be able to build up the electricity because of course we're in the business of selling electricity. So if more and more people are running cars with electricity, it's good business for us to be in because more and more people will be using electricity. But at a, at a certain point, we're not going to be able to supply that electricity unless we really increase our production capability. And the only way we can really increase our production capability is to add more nuclear because we, we won't be able to, to make it up with gas because that's that's the other. It's nuclear and gas in Pennsylvania. We won't be able to make it up in gas because of the pollution and the environmental controls. So we're in a position right now where we have to start thinking very seriously about adding capacity, nuclear capacity, because we'll never get there with, with uh, renewables, certainly not with solar and definitely not with wind because if they're not reliable, we can't do enough of that. So, I mean, they're sitting there, that's like the catbird seat. You know, they're gonna get more demand. They know they can't meet that demand with, with what they've got right now. So they're gonna have to build, add more capacity. We never should have gotten, I mean, they know the situation. They never, we never should have gotten ourselves in a situation where we're gonna to have to, we'll exceed our capacity and then we'll have to break in order to be able to, to just keep the lights on in order to be able to build because at the same time as, as the capacity is going up, people are saying, well, no, we can't have nuclear. We have to, everything has to be either solar or, that's not the answer. Michael. Yes, sir. When demand outstrips supply, what do you do? Raise uh, the price. Which is raise what, the price. Yeah, exactly, which is what's happened in, in, uh, in Europe. Raise the price. So the price of the price of electricity in so, Sweden so has, the, gone, has gone from from here, let's see it here, to to here. Yeah. Yeah. That's and what they're gonna do. Right. And the governments, the governments are making up the difference because oh, oh, the, oh, the government's the gonna make up the difference in the price of electricity. They're already doing that in all of the countries, in almost all of the countries in Europe, because the price of electricity has gone up so fast because of the war. Oh my goodness, we're gonna have to elect ourselves a Republican here. <laughs> I mean, as opposed to, you know, these, what, really? Oh my goodness. We're gonna subsidize the price, I mean, Oh, or these good electric companies will decide. Will, will this? Uh, otherwise, they'll ration it. It'll yeah. be like butter rations. Yeah, exactly. And so the only uh, if they raise the price, the only people who will be able to drive are rich because they'll they'll be the only ones who can afford the, the afford the price. But that's okay because it's only rich people who are buying electric cars anyway. Okay. So only the so, so life's good here. 
Only the rich will drive. <laughs> no, I mean, this is, look, I mean, this, this is, this is economics, you know, 001, 00.5, right? I mean, this is, this is what, what is being done here. And, and this is all being presented as, of course, electricity is free because of the sun gives it to us. Yeah, the odd the thing wind is gives it to us. I mean, how, how long does it take to build a nuclear power plant? Plus, it's, it's not been 30 years since Fukushima. Fukushima occurred like 30 years after Three Mile Island. And we we're about ready to start building nukes again. And then Fukushima happens. Got to wait another 30 years. And for who knows what reason, it takes forever to build one, even though I guess the French have figured out how to build safe, safe nuclear power plants. But my goodness, nobody's going to do that. Now we have like spinning blades going around. I don't know who produces the turbines for that. Are they made in America? China. There you go. Where are, the, where are the solar panels produced? China. There you go. Yeah. Where's the lithium come from and the rare earth stuff? This a test. You <laughs> know, so I mean, you know, we are, we are, whereas, whereas, my goodness, That's in oil right. city, in oil city, Pennsylvania, the, the darn stuff was coming out of the bubbling out of the ground. And then, and then somebody just figured out that if we like cracked the 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 rock all this stuff was like totally all under pennsylvania the whole northeast everywhere everywhere the price of gas like went supply went to infinity (laughs) and then all of a sudden somebody said well you know no let's use free electricity my mother always told me to turn off the to, uh, turn off the lights. I mean, electricity was expensive. She probably, we could, you, she probably told you to close the lights if it was Pittsburgh. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, we we couldn't afford a car either, so whatever. I don't. It it is whatever. Moving along in the dispatcher, Michael and Alan <laughs> here. The. Uh, you have a headline, Volvo Cars. Um, they had a very good first quarter, and, and then came news of layoffs. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, I've got some good news and some bad news, but it wasn't at the same time. I'm going to give you the good news, and then tomorrow I'm going to give you the bad news. So they had a, they had a profit, um, but then um, shortly after, I mean, within this, almost within hours, they uh, announced that they were going to be laying off 1,300 employees, which, I mean, in, in the total scheme of things, it's not it's not huge, but um, it's a start. And what they're saying, and have been saying, is that um, it's a whole different group of people that they have to to have on board in order to be able to to build the kinds of cars that they're building. And they've got someone in there who has no connection to the to the car companies or car autom- automotive. They've, they've just hired a new designer that has no connection to automotive. 
They've got people in there that have no connection to Gothenburg, which is the home of, of, of the company. So there's, there's no connection to, you know, what was before and what potentially has to be in the future for us to be able to survive as a Chinese company making electric cars. And that base, that's a message. You know, we, we did all this before we sold off our ice. You know, we've, we've, we burned the bridges. There's no going back. You know, we're going to make, we have to make electric cars because we no longer control the ice, the ice cars. But unfortunately, the pri the profits that they're, that they're, they have made, all of those profits are coming from their from their ice vehicles, and they've committed to stop selling ice vehicles sometime in the very very near future, and they're going to have to figure out a way of selling ice vehicles, uh, selling um, electric vehicles for profits that are similar to the ones that they have right now, and they and they're basically saying we don't think we can do that. So we better start now laying off people to make sure that when the when we do start losing money, we don't lose a lot of money based on the on the folks that we have. So they're in a similar situation to Ford from the financial standpoint, but they're in there for different reasons. And um, I don't know what's going to happen at some point in time. What you know? What are the Chinese? If they stop making profits, what are they going to do? China. Geely owns 80% of the, of the stock in the company. They sold 20% uh, of the company in order to get money out and they got all the money out that they had put into it. I mean, they only paid about a couple of billion for the, for the company to start with. So, uh, don't know. Uh, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't look really good for, for the company. They've been trying to get over a million cars and, you know, and they saw Tesla zooming past them just a couple of years ago and Tesla's on its way to 2 million and they're still stuck under underneath one. You also tackle Zooks and the self-certification it's doing when it comes to safety standards. I can't believe that, that the NHTSA Department of Transportation and NHTSA gets themselves into these situations where you know, there are laws on the, on the books. There are regulations in place. The the self certification really isn't. I mean, we, we they've oversold this whole thing of self certification. Self certification only means that instead of having a certification organization in in Germany or the Netherlands or or, or the UK or Sweden, all of which can do certification, instead of using them to say you did what you're supposed to do. They, they have their own testing facilities. Every car company has its own testing facilities. It goes through all of the tests that, that these company organizations, some private, some, some sort of semi-private in Europe go through in order to, to, to do the type approval. They go through exactly the same. The FM, the uh, Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standards are very similar to the type approval standards that are built up around the UNECE the, the, the regulations and and standards or requirements that are set up within UNACE. It's just that they're, the companies do this and the, the cars get put on and, and the companies say that we've gone through the test, we certify that the cars meet the federal motor vehicle safety standards and then they go out on, on, the, on the roads. And if it turns out 
that something happens and they find out that there's a problem, then the car companies are obligated to tell NHTSA that the, these cars have have a fault and NHTSA then issues a recall and they recall the cars, the problem is fixed and they're certified that the problem is fixed and then they allow the cars to be continue to be sold or put, or put back in the market. They don't have that or they didn't have that the sort of recall process because then they'd be recalling cars that they said that they had actually tested in in uh, in Europe. So with self-certification, the so-called self-certification, it's exact, I, I, I say it's exactly the same as it is in Europe, but the laws and requirements are there. They're in place. And what I've said in this article about, about Zooks, there is no car that's allowed to drive on a road without a driver. And that's according to the, to the laws, the federal motor vehicle safety standards laws say that the car has to have a driver. If you say, which is what the, the, this smart woman who used to work for NHTSA is saying, who now works for Zooks, since we don't have a driver, we don't have to pass that requirement that has a driver in the requirement. It sounds a little bit circular. So yeah, we can make we can make analogies, however many analogies that, that we can. I don't have to apply, I don't have to, to, to be, I don't have to, to um, acknowledge that that law exists because I don't acknowledge that that law exists. So we don't have a driver, therefore we don't need to, 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 to um, have our cars have a driver. And that needs to, how, how can you be, uh, we're, we're taking time to, to understand this. What's to understand? Either you have a driver, you don't have a driver. If you don't have a driver, you shouldn't have the car on the road. In those places where, where Cruise is operating, where Waymo is operating, they have gotten the approval of, of the local authorities. They've gotten a, a pass by NHTSA that gives them the opportunity to do something that's out of the FMVSS. And that's part of VF, FMVSS has, has, NHTSA has given itself the right to, for a period of time with a certain number of vehicles in certain situations, to give them a, an exception and they can do that. But Zook says, we don't need an exception. It's like, it's the same thing with Tesla. Tesla says, we don't need an exception to be able to operate full self-driving because we tell our car owners, they have to have their hands on the wheel. So at, the, at one time, one point they say it's full self-driving and it will fully self-drive itself. But we don't have to tell anybody about that because we tell people that they have to have their, their hands on the wheel. Zooks is saying, we don't have to, to comply with, with the requirements that say it has to have a driver because we don't have a driver. What am I missing? The driver. <laughs> I'm missing a driver in, in Zooks. I'm missing a driver in, in Cruise, but at least we know that they're doing what they're doing because they've got the, the permission to do it. Zooks is saying we don't need permission. Um, yeah, I mean, this, 
the suggestion in Florida has been, if you want to do this, you take the responsibility of cleaning up the mess that you created if the thing doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And the, the question is, is the insurance, is the responsibility, is, is, the, is a certification that, that we've done, we believe that we've done what we need to do uh, such that the risk reward situation that exists with this entity, that that the reward is substantially greater than the risk uh, there, and that uh, out of that reward, there is the opportunity and and the uh, the opportunity to um, to fix things so everyone is somewhat made whole. Now, of course, if somebody dies, you can't quite make that whole, although it's done every day, okay? You know, airlines don't guarantee that they won't crash. But if they do, then people are made whole. Amtrak doesn't guarantee that you don't die on an Amtrak train. But, you know, and there are limitations to the extent that they will make you whole should you die when the train runs off the track because who knows what, who knows what, who knows what, okay? So, you know, life is a risk. Nobody can guarantee anything. Guarantee, guarantee. I mean, you know, there has to be some time and a mechanism by which to make whole. And of course, one would love to have associated with all that the opportunity to be able to to uh, go and and do these kinds of things. Um, if you think you're, you know, it's good enough, okay. Uh, you know, the, then you have some public entity that then stands over you and then make sure that you know. It is good enough, which is what happens with car crashes today, and why we put up with whatever forty thousand dying per year, whatever. Why? Because the value that it delivers society. I mean, everybody's decided. I, mean, I guess they, nobody will admit it, but but the, that the that the value is greater than um, than the risk. But I, I pointed out in the earlier article, the first article. Yeah, I mean, we discussed it a lot, third, but go ahead, go. The third of the of the accidents and deaths related to accidents are the result of people driving under the influence of something. They're driving. Yeah. They're they their driving is is diminished. The driving ability of driving is diminished. Either it, yeah. some of it is sleep related, some of it is taking drugs uh, we call it misbehavior the majority yeah. of it is because people have, have gotten in the car been able to turn on the vehicle and drive drive the vehicle under the influence of alcohol that's the primary primary yeah. we could stop that we could we could have stopped it 30 years ago 40 years ago exactly. whatever yeah the third a third of those accidents wouldn't happen if yeah. people were not able to drive unimpaired why haven't yeah. we done that 
Well, the, the reason we, because because the public doesn't uh, doesn't want it. Well, does the public? All right, you can say people people have been prevented. People who like to smoke are prevented from smoking because why? Because they they can't it, they can't, it, it, they can't it, smoke. They can't smoke anywhere in in public, principally. It, 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 it totally floored me when New York was able to tell folks you can't smoke in a in a bar. You have to smoke outside. When when they passed that sucker, I said that is, there is no way New Yorkers are going to, you know, now line up and do that. It's, it, it amazes me that they did. And maybe yeah. if if we would have put in the 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 locks of the ignition locks people would have we did end up i, I said i never wear a seat belt well they were so damn uncomfortable now where is it you know backseat of an uber i mean i i you know 13 different ones yeah. okay it's and those those things have had a major impact positive yeah. in the number of, of accidents not in the yeah. number of accidents seat belts haven't prevented accidents but they've pre save lives <laughs> without a doubt you don't get thrown i mean you know if the thing starts flipping and you don't have a say you, you go through the window uh, of course yeah absolutely so we have we have laws in place which require drivers we do not have any situations where we can we can depend i won't i won't say 50 percent, even even less than 50 percent on a robot driving a car anywhere and we shouldn't have cars on the road being driven by robots because some company says we think it's safe we just shouldn't otherwise we should, we should change the laws if we if we don't want to have laws that say we require a driver change the law but don't allow people to be on the road without special permission if they don't have a driver in the vehicle that's all that's all i'm saying you know, I, I, but the, 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 the practical question with that is, what the heck is that? Okay, and which public official, which government employee, which elected official is going to go out and try to do that? I mean, the same people who passed huh? federal, federal motor vehicle safety standards didn't happen in 1776. Right. Those those came along in, in the 1960s. And, right. And cars were being sold in, in, in 1908. Ford was selling them. Yeah. And the reason the, the federal vehicle motor, federal motor vehicle safety standards came in to practice was folks like Princeton graduate Ralph Nader and, and class of 55. And Nietzsche was put into law by. Yeah. And I mean, these things are, are, you know, 50 years old, but we shouldn't say, well, they, they only applied then, they don't apply now because now we now we have robots who can drive cars, we think. So let's let's ignore the laws and the rules and, and the standards that are requirements that are already out there and just make up our own. No, we shouldn't do that. Yeah, so. but, but the but the rules are for the old the old thing. I mean, a driverless car is not a 55 Chevy. Okay, and it, it's a it's a new gizmo. Yeah. So all right, and and the fact is, you know, everybody's sort of a, a 
throws their arm up, there probably should just be, a, you know, a few more exemptions. Yeah. And how much, how much damage are you really going to cause with, you know, a thousand of these things out there? When they, when they, when they approve, there should be people who are active enough to test and work with these so that they can develop a standard that could be used for driverless cars. Until that day, Zook should not be out there saying, our cars don't need a driver, therefore we don't have to comply with the Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standards. Either you've got a, photo, either you've got a standard that everybody has to, to, to comply with, or you don't. But you sh there shouldn't be someone who says, no, we don't think we need it. So this, this sort of, I've talked about this in, in other terms as well. You know? I, I know, and we... You know, I don't really think I need to stop at that stop sign because that everybody thinks that, that people should stop at stop signs, but I don't believe in stop signs. So I'm just going to go through the stop sign. And if, you know, if somebody hits me... The, 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 purpose, the purpose of a stop sign is because for a human to be able to determine if there's somebody coming one way or another, you got to turn your head and you got to turn your head. Yeah. The amount of time that it takes you to do the recognition and to do the recognition and decide that you can go is such that you better come to, to a stop That's or at least you know roll through it very slowly. But if you come to it and your sensor is good enough to instantaneously determine that instantaneously down, you know, reduce it by an order of magnitude. Why stop? Especially you that's trying to save the, the planet. You're just burning up, you know, some more electricity and, and causing more carbon and, and pollution. I'm not trying uh, really. to save the planet. The planet's going to save itself. It's like <laughs> humanity. I know I'm being. I'd like to save humanity. Yeah, no, seriously, the, the purpose of the stop sign is, is for the sensor system and the control system that happens to be controlling the vehicle requires the time and, the, and that time required to be able to ascertain that is such that you should come to a stop. So if the issue is, is there anybody coming? Is it safe to go? If you've determined that through V2V communications and you've done that with a probability that's reasonably high and you have insurance to take care of the cases in which, oh, I screwed up. Why aren't you good to go? When, when we have vehicle to vehicle communication that can do that, and sensors that can see around corners, which they can't today, then fine, get rid of the stop sign. Until then, stop signs exist, stop. But the stop signs are at more than corners where you can't see around the corner. There are places where, you know, there's at least, I don't, however many meters of what sight distance in which you can see it happening. If you can turn your net fast enough and you have a good enough, you know, this is a long conversation. I know. I, I, <laughs> no, and I'm well, being argumentative. I agree. Well, we we so want to tell people there, there is more in the dispatcher as well. And you even have a, a, oh, a guest author in the musing section. This yeah. Uh, our, our guest author, Glenn Mercer. Um, Glenn's a, Glenn, again, I met Glenn through, uh, through Alan. He was, he's been part of the, part of the readership of the, 
of the dispatcher for quite some time. He's been he's been part of the uh, Smart Driving Car Summit. He was in our our um, our Smart Driving Car Summit panel on who's going to build smart driving cars. Yeah, he's, uh, I mean, t to call him an expert in the in the automotive, particularly in the in the yeah. I mean, automotive industry. He's an expert in the automotive industry. So this this is a this is a very very good um, musings written about how cars are and most probably could be and should be sold either directly or indirectly. And he goes through the whole distribution. Yeah. It's, it's really very well written by an expert. He's great. He's great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Alan, turning to the uh, Smart Driving Cars newsletter quickly, we mentioned already uh, Tesla's partnership with Ford. And now beyond that, uh, I guess the Model Y is now the best-selling car in the world. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, whatever it is, to do that, it, it requires some recognition. Yeah, great. I mean, non-trivial, but whatever. Yes. FSD4 has started to roll out, and a Tesla data leak uh, reportedly has revealed safety complaints from owners, thousands of them. The company has allegedly tried to keep that data private, and I think you're saying they shouldn't. Yeah, I think I think all companies should release release the the, the complaints from from customers, and and because customers have experience with the product, and it's experience that you may not have gotten in all your testing and all this stuff that you've got, and you've tripped over what you didn't know, and 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 the toughest part of all this business or any, any business is you don't know what you don't know. And if your customers are helping you and in, in letting you know things, certainly you should pay attention to it. I'm assuming Tesla paid attention to it. I'm assuming GM pays attention to it. But the thing that Tesla has had, the real value that Tesla has had is not only have they gotten the comments from the users, but they also have the data of what the hell happened. And they put a mechanism in their cars to collect that, to store it and collect it, which is not what the other folks have done. So they're sitting on a trove of valuable information on safety. And because it's valuable information on safety, they should be sharing it with everybody. So everybody can learn. So everything can be made better. Not only their own cars, keeping it from themselves, proprietary information. Oh, we'll, we'll let GM you know, trip over that one on their own. That's what they should be doing. And sure, yeah, things, they aren't perfect. Nobody is. But my goodness, when we finally learn and trip and get and begin to understand it, especially when it's safety related, I think it should be out there in the public domain. And, and not to be flawed, oh, you know, you look, 40,000 people die every year. In the U.S. In U.S. Yeah. yeah. Not so many in, in per rated wine in Sweden, but they're not all Teslas. 
There are some GMs, there are some whatevers, there are whatevers, there are whatevers. My goodness. This is valuable information. And, and treat it as such. Otherwise, then, of course, then we'll publicly flog you. And my goodness, blah, 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 you must be terrible. Who knows? I don't know if it's terrible or not terrible. We don't know what the rates are. We do know, probably, <laughs> that because of the information system they put in there and the way they capture it and the way they sit there and monitor and the over-the-air updating and all that, the communications piece that they have on there, they're... They have a Vita X. Vita X is not SpaceX. It's Tesla X. I mean, they get that. But isn't the issue that, the, that this information doesn't belong to them? I thought that was the, the, the problem, that the, the European Commission was saying that you're, you're collecting data that doesn't belong to you, and you're using that data that doesn't belong to you. And that, that it belongs to, because that's that's the point that the European Commission has been making. That these, yeah, yeah, whether there's there are privacy issues and who owns it, and if it's my car, if it's a car that I bought, what are you doing monitoring? And there's yeah, there's all that stuff. Yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not, but my goodness, you know, if there's information and their customer complaints that are going in the Tesla. Now, I don't know if, if somebody said, I complain here, but don't release this information, my complaint to General Motors. I doubt that that's what people said, that it, it should be put out there. And, and Tesla shouldn't be afraid that, my goodness, you know, this is out there. <laughs> I think if they do a proper statistical analysis, they can readily show that they have much closer monitoring of their customer set and the performance of their product in the hands of those customers than maybe anybody. That's probably true, simply because the pipes that they put in there and the, and the monitoring that they do do, whether it's legal, illegal, or whatever, I'm not sure, okay? But this is this gets this allows you to figure to know what you don't know. Oh man, that's yeah. I, I think they I think they should be out front with it. Another issue related to Elon Musk, uh, I don't know if it's an issue or not. Uh, the FDA has approved the start of clinical human study of a brain computer interface from Musk's Neuralink. The company I says mean, the you, company says this could benefit people with paralysis, maybe blindness. I, I, I'm sure there are enormous benefits from it. I just, you know, I mean, if we want to start arguing about weird stuff, this is weird stuff, okay? And um, yeah, I'm sure there's a value proposition there. And the question is, you know, the invasion of privacy. What are you doing? You know, where are the regulations to make sure? And again, you know, the risk reward aspect of this thing. If this thing turns turns south are the people going to be made whole you know we we sent troops out to the desert and then blew up nuclear bombs around them to you know see what the impact of nuclear bombs were on people uh, i mean we did a lot of stuff that was pretty ugly to and um, and probably improperly compensate those folks but you know that's another whole can of worms that 
one doesn't want to open up here. But yes, I just threw that one in there. <laughs> if we didn't have enough stuff to argue or, you know, to discuss, we have even more. <laughs> and Uber is teaming up with Waymo to add robo-taxis to its app. I mean... I, you know, it's, it's, it, it's, you know, when I go to the Uber app, I can do Uber X or Uber, I don't know what they call super expensive and Uber super, super expensive. Okay. And there are different prices and I can pick one. I always pick the cheap one because I'm cheap guy. Okay. Where's the Waymo going to be? And if it's not, half the price of an uber x or the cheapest uber why am i taking it huh yeah why are you taking it yeah why am i taking it okay i mean to me if i look at the value proposition and i put all the value things on some equations with coefficients up in front and proper exponents and inverse tan of the hyperbolic cosine of whatever something else whatever and put that all down into a value proposition Except, you know, if I can do my selfie, bam. Yeah, so it's-, it's If I don't have a selfie- Yeah. How do, you do, how do you do a selfie sitting in the back seat to show that there's no driver in the front seat? Well, I don't know. I just do a selfie and I tell people, I mean, let them imagine or I'll put it in chat GPT and you know, whatever. You know, the, the selfie is what it is. It's a value right proposition, <laughs> but I think I think this is one and done. And if this is a way for Waymo to get one and done customers, mm-hmm. you think Ford's in trouble? Waymo's in trouble. Yeah. And as as I we like to argue, I like to argue their fundamental value is that they have pretty darn good quality of service. Nowhere near as good as, as an Uber driver, really, unless I have a selfie. And could be affordable and allow them to make money affordable. If they if they decide to build a vehicle with sensors, it didn't cost a gazillion dollars. Yeah, so what we're saying is, there's, what, what's the reason for Uber and Waymo having an agreement? When Waymo is offering, Waymo's whole business is is around offering rides, and Uber's whole business is offering rides. They seem to be competitors. So, what is it that, that Waymo is getting out of having an agreement with Uber? Well, because they they have access to a customer set that is already existing, which is the Uber customer set, and they're hopeful that that people will select them so that when you take the money that is that is paid for the ride and it gets chopped up between uber and it used to be chopped up between uber and a driver it gets shot chopped up between uber and waymo i think we i think one thing that we've realized over the years when it comes to mobile apps is that there's no loyalty with mobile apps i mean from from one minute to the other if if something does something better than the last mobile app you had, then you you use it. So if 
if Waymo comes along and says, we can offer you a ride for half of what Uber is offering it to you for, you, you're going to end up getting, you're going to end up using them instead of using Uber. I mean, everybody. Well, yeah, apparently the Waymo One app is essentially just as good as Uber's, or if not, they should hire some of my students. We could write that code like I, I claim in a week. Okay, I, I think then, the Uber app is really great. They may have some intellectual property in there that we have to make sure we don't have to step on. So we, you know, develop our own. But you know, there's there's Jesus, there there's a lot of of former uh, art and you know that you can do to do a damn good Waymo One app. I don't know. I don't either. I, I don't know. Well, I, I assume you don't have to tip your non-driver. <laughs> or rate. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to tip your non. I guess you don't. But but guess what? It, how many of the Uber trips are really with people for which price is important? Not very many. Not very many, and so you know that's the. I, I mean, I, I, I think, and the thing that we haven't mentioned is the fact that that Waymo was just totally crushed in San Francisco by the Teamsters and the right. and the council. What are they doing there? They went there as a proof of technology it worked so gm cruise as a proof of market i mean i don't know maybe i have i haven't found the articles in the san francisco whatever that hey we just love having cruise and and um, and waymo there because of the value that they add to san francisco all they do is complain about this, this, that, this, 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 and this. They, their proof of market has failed. So maybe they should try someplace else. And that's what we've argued. I, try New Jersey. You didn't want to come to New Jersey. We have customers who might appreciate the fact that you can you can deliver. Pretty darn good mobility at a very reasonable price and make money. If you're, you know, if you're productive and doing it and you, you know, forget about going down the curviest road in the world. Then hopefully they'll, those people should read our book. They should read our book. They should. They should call me. They. They hate me. They hate me. That's fine. The you book know, is, it's the, it's okay. The book is you get, coming you get, soon. You get to listen to whatever you're listening. I can't see the future any better than anybody else. Probably worse. But my goodness, you should hold some people accountable because <laughs> the data points of history. As to where you've gotten with what you've done, you've done a fantastic job in proof of technology. It does work. You didn't crash. You aren't an embarrassment. Waymo. Both of them, actually. Both of them. Okay, so you run over a fire. I mean, you know, I mean, 
It's fine. They didn't run over a fireman. They ran, ran, ran over fire a hose. Fire hose. <laughs> they, they didn't run over a fireman. Look, Waymo stopped moving because of fog. That is the right thing to do. And to keep the people behind you also from going into fog. That yeah. is a virtuous thing to do. Okay? You shouldn't get flogged for that one. Who they caused a traffic jam. They didn't cause it. It was fog. Nobody can drive in fog. You can't drive when you can't see. What does Nitsa say about that? Does Nitsa say you can a human can drive in fog? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> because you can't. You die. I don't think there's anything in the motor vehicle safety standards. <laughs> well, it should be. They should say you stop for a stop sign in case there's somebody coming. You stop when there's fog, when you can't see. There's nothing in the Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standards related to stop signs. Okay. Those are, those are, those are, that's where the state comes yeah, in. That's I know. Those are the state laws. Okay, good. And that's why Michael is with us to help cut through the I fog. Know, he's so able to. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. Anyway, this is always fun. We we go on. I hope our 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 listeners and viewers put up with us a little bit. These are not easy issues. Okay, they're absolutely not easy issues, and you know because nothing is perfect. It is a challenge. And one has to look at the value proposition. And, and, you know, we all have different value propositions. And, and how to do it. You know, you have to applaud people like Henry Ford who were able to do it. Okay. And Sloan and, you know, all of the others that were able to make it happen. Um, well, Michael it's got to tease. The, Michael got to tease the book again, which is great. It's it's coming. It's soon, coming, is yep. what we can say. Yep. Look and forward I, to it, Michael. Thank you for it. thank you for Michael's spending time with us again, Michael. My pleasure. It's wonderful to be here from Scranton, Pennsylvania, home of the West Scranton Invaders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and home home of the president of the United States too. Yeah, it's all over the place. They changed. They changed the highway. They changed the Senate, the main street going through through town. Um, we're gonna we're gonna drive past. We're gonna do a drive by past his house because my cousin lives across across the street. You know. Yeah, and and on Sunday he and and his wife were at Helen's graduation from. San Andrews from before the procession through the whole thing and afterwards too. And he just had a normal day of going to celebrate his granddaughter's graduation. And Elizabeth and I were there celebrating Helen's graduation. And it was just fantastic. And if Helen has watched this all the way through, congratulations, Helen. Yes, congratulations. <laughs> congratulations. Uh, she, I mean, we are... <laughs> We are just so proud and so overwhelmed. Anyway. Terrific. You can find more on Michael and the, and the dispatcher at michaellsena.com. Our website is smartdrivingcar.com. You can find us wherever you turn to for podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Apple, Google, etc. You can get smart speakers to play us too. 
My tech reports are at textonation.com. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks for listening or watching. Please continue to stay safe. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Okay.